put better stuff in your head that we're not being taught. Turn off the news, read a book. You know, I have my books behind me. I've read all these multiple times because it's like I'm always craving knowledge because the more I learn, the more I can earn and, and do better in life and, and not make the dumb mistakes that people before me made. I'm like, you know, you read somebody's book and they're like, well, I did this. And I'm like, okay, I'm not doing that. You know, and then you can, you can shortcut stuff. Welcome to You Are Buzzworthy. The biggest lesson I've learned about business over the last 17 years is that our mindset around money is the most important piece to success. When we have the right mindset, we focus on things that help us achieve our goals. But when we have the wrong mindset, we navigate towards the negative or the wrong things with everything within our business and many times in our personal life. And we don't always realize that we are focusing on the wrong things when we're in the thick of it. So today, we're going to get things right with money in our mindset. To help me is my guest, Paul Holmey, a best-selling author, international speaker, and financial advisor. Paul used his business acumen to build one of the most successful gyms in the U.S., which he has since then parlayed into a consulting firm that helps create high six-figure offline businesses for his clients. Of course, he does this all while living a lifestyle of freedom from his own design. Today, he is going to give us a peek under the money mindset hood. Paul, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I'm, I'm glad you're excited. That makes two of us. Um, hopefully there's somebody else excited on the other end of this show <laughs> to hear about what we're going to talk about today. Um, real quick, where are, you, where are you from right now? Where, where are you recording uh, from? Fort Worth, Texas. Fort Worth, Texas. Oh, yes. Yes. My 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 wife grew up in Texas. Okay. Um, I've spent some time in Texas. Uh, well, I was in the Air Force, so I had to start my training in Texas, San Antonio. Um, nice. And actually uh, proposed my first wife in San Antonio as well. So there you go. Um, <laughs> all right. We're going to dive right into here. We're talking about the limiting beliefs of money when it comes to entrepreneurship. And you, sir, are kind of the money whisperer of sorts <laughs> with entrepreneurs. And so tell me, I want to dive like directly into the heart of this. And what is the main limiting belief about money when it comes to business owners? For business owners, the main one is they think they have to put all their money back in their business. You know, mm. to me, that's like, cause you know, we always have, we all, know, we all know, like, you know, if you grew up like in my generation, it was like money doesn't grow on trees, rich people suck. We can't afford that. You know, I grew up around that whole model where like the kids nowadays don't even hear a lot of that things cause the whole world's changed. But back then, and then you get into business and then I started talking to entrepreneurs and they're like, oh yeah, my business is my best investment, you know? And then of course, 2020 happened and a lot of businesses got shut down and people were like, I don't know what to do. And it was like, you, you didn't do anything these last 10 years and, and now you're in a bad, bad situation. I feel like the teens were definitely like the heyday and everybody got really lazy. And um, in marketing, especially, a lot of people saw the low barrier of entry there as technology was allowing us to really be lazy marketers for a lot of people who are new to the industry. I've been in marketing for like 30 years. So like wow. I've, I've been doing this since before <laughs> we had the intertubes. And uh, so I'm an old fart when it comes to that. But what that helped me do is keep rooted in the fundamentals, right? It's funny because when you say that, it's like you get a business that say they get to six figures, right? They get their first $100,000 and they think that all of that money is theirs. <laughs> yes, <it's not laughs> Where yours. the heck does that come from? <laughs> 
Yeah, it's it's definitely not yours. And, and and teach people about money and how money works and how they can take you know paying themselves first. You know, it's a complete game changer for entrepreneurs because unfortunately, large. I mean, when you are making six figures, the bank account's got a hefty sum of money coming in every month. You're like, yeah, we're doing good, we're doing good, and you're paying this, paying that. And then end of the quarter comes, and you're like, I don't have any money. Where'd my money go? You know, because right. entrepreneurs will spend it all on the business. You know, hopefully, you know, people aren't just taking. It well, out you paid yourself just, first. You got to pay yourself yeah. first. Have so to, uh, there's a hundred thousand dollars. I I can do whatever I want. <laughs> yeah, having that I think balance it's funny is really because fun. like I wish there was a like little mini crash course for people getting their first business license, so that they understood accounts receivable and accounts payable, <laughs> <laughs> and that we need to have an account specifically for the money we already owe before we make even any money. Right. Oh, like 100%. so many people forget this word is a world called overhead. Right. <laughs> and it seems like now that we have a lot of online businesses, it's even worse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Talk to me a little bit about the misconception about taxes. Like I hear so many businesses that are in a growth spurt, but then they get caught by taxes. How the heck does that happen? Man, the problem is a lot of us are our own problem because we'll start making money. We're like, oh, let's use TurboTax and all, we've all been there. And it's like, you're like, this is not a good idea. And then it's, you know, it's like, I tell people, once you start making money, you have to have a bookkeeper. You have to have an accountant. As you make more money, you need these things because one, it keeps you out of trouble. It makes it let your life easier because you know you have actual books. Anybody that's ever tried to take out a loan or do something as an entrepreneur, the banks would be like, hey, I need two years P&L. And some of my clients would be like, well, where do I get that? And I'm like, you don't have P&Ls? I'm like, oh my God. Wait, wait, the know? first question is, what is a P&L? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they say, where can I get one? Where can I get one? And I'm like, you need a profit and loss statement. They're like, oh, that sounds good. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to take a deep breath now <laughs> because they're good at making money. You know, it's, and entrepreneurs are, people listen to this, you probably all are really good at making money. But then it's like, and you don't realize people are like, oh, I don't want to pay that money for an accountant or whatever. But if you get a good accountant, they can save you so much money in taxes. You're paying for stuff and not getting deductions that you didn't know exist because the more money you make, the more things there are you can do. So you, you got to get out of your own way. I think that also, like, you don't know what you don't know. So yeah. yeah, you could probably go to TurboTax and if you're a sole proprietor, <laughs> um, you know, you could, you could get away with, um, I, I don't even know what the forms are because I haven't a tax accountant for the last 17 yeah. years. So I don't know what the forms are for a sole proprietor, but you know, you could probably get away with it in the interim until the IRS comes back and says, oh, by the way, we noticed that you were the one putting in your, your paperwork and we know you're not an accountant. So yeah. we're going to go ahead and take a look at those books <laughs> and now you're going to look at this. Audit. Ugh, a word, <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. Like it I've actually true. heard that you are more likely to get audited if you're not using an accountant. Yeah. And I've heard that too. Like also if like, if you're a sole, if you're not an LLC or an S corp, whatever it is too, that's like, they'd love to go after the sole proprietor who does things on their own because they know we're going to mess up. We're not designed. We're not accountants. Is that, is that because they're more apt to intermingle their personal and their business. And so it's a lot easier to catch them. I, it has to be something like that. I, don't, I wouldn't know for sure exactly. But yeah, you talk to a lot of people that are in that sole proprietor world. And the first thing I'm like, please tell me I have a business checking account. And they're like, yes. And I'm like, oh, thank God. Because I've had people that are like, well, no, I just use one account for everything. I'm like, you can't do that. <laughs> it's like The next question is, do. now, do you pay your mortgage out of your business account? <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> So, okay. So I think we have an epidemic uh, in the United States that we don't teach young people about money to begin with on the personal level. Nothing. Right. I got a business degree from a business school, specifically in entrepreneurship. 
I went through corporate finance, which was my only C out of my entire thing. I got a C in corporate finance because it's fuzzy math, right? Yes, yes. Discounts are actually charges and you know credits are actually <laughs> debits, right? So all of that to say, it's like, like we set entrepreneurs up for failure. So it's almost like it's not even their fault, but they're held accountable for it. So how do we reverse that? As entrepreneurs, we can't teach it in the schools because the, the government obviously wants us to be poor. Um, otherwise, they teach us about money and how to do money better. So how do we arm ourselves with a better mindset? It, it's all self-education, unfortunately, because like I same with you, I went to high school, I went to college, I went all stuff, I got done. Nobody taught me anything about money. Not, nobody taught me anything about taxes or accounts. They were like, well, here's the Pythagorean theorem. I'm like, well, how about, uh, can I read a P&L and have my accountant do something? You know, so education and that's why podcasts are so important and reading you know reading books that are about money they're about finance but and finding people that you enjoy you know mindset stuff like uh, i love ed Milet. he's super motivational anything from dale uh -huh. carnegie um uh, jim Rohn. put better stuff in your head that we're not being taught turn off the news read a book you know i have my books behind me i've read all these multiple times because it's like i'm always craving knowledge because the more i learn the more i can earn and, and do better in life and and not make the dumb mistakes that people before me made i'm like you know you read somebody's book and they're like well i did this and i'm like okay i'm not doing that you know and then you can you can shortcut stuff so the the, the first step in change your mindset is education because we don't oh, know what we yeah. don't know so what would be a good what's like the good first book for a, a new business owner to kind of get a feel for business money business banking business finance a couple that i like that and it's funny because they don't like go super far down that rabbit hole but they help you get your stuff situated right is um the ultimate sales machine by chet holmes is a great Ooh, book love that one i That's love a that good one book and then just for you know and we go back to mindset and habits the compound effect by darren hardy i recommend that to all my clients because it's just you just these little habits you once you learn to stack habits and compound it's just like money when i tell people like well, the compound return is just like, what's that mean? It's like, well, you're, you know, as you make more, it makes more and it makes more like uh, the compound effect from Darren Hardy he talks about like habits, stacking habits because entrepreneurs, it's lucky and unfortunate. We can, you know, this not work for a couple of days and just kind of chill out. And then it's like, wait a second, uh, I'm behind on, I'm behind on everything. I didn't do any marketing. I didn't do this. So you create these habits. So I always joke around on top of like, even if you're gonna have a, like, I'm going out of town uh, to one of my business partner, my ex, my old business partners fight. He went back to uh, MMA fighting and he's fighting for a title fight uh, Friday. In New Orleans, uh -huh. so I'm going there and I got all the stuff I got to plan. So, but ahead of time, it's like I have my little checklist of like, hey, if I get these things done, nobody's going to even care that I'm not around because I did all the work. You know, I'm an entrepreneur. Right. I can get up in the morning, knock it all out, and then just go schedule all my posts, schedule everything. It looks like I'm working, but I'm in New Orleans. Right, right. So it's funny because as service based businesses, especially in my younger years, I felt guilty going Same. on vacations. I felt Same. guilty. And so, you know, as social media was kind of taking over, I started business in 2005. And so like in the 2008 realm and people were struggling and we were actually growing because we we're helping people through that process and, or through that time that the, the great recession and all the other things are going on with there. And so I was actually able to take a couple breathers, but I never, and I lived in Alaska. So you just disappear. Yeah. Like you just go away. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. But you don't share anything on social media. I didn't because I was like, I don't want anybody thinking it was it was it's a false mindset. I didn't want anybody thinking that I wasn't taking their account seriously because I was taking time off when I should have been taking that time off and actually celebrating it and right? celebrating it 100%. Right. And then you, you, you touched on it earlier when we talk about, you know, people overspend and there's two ways they overspend. They either take it for themselves and they buy the boat 
right? Before yep. they, they actually can afford the boat or they over reinvest and they don't pay themselves, which was where I was at. I put, I, I poured everything back time. into the businesses and I kept my, my salary extremely low. I'd actually hire people at higher salaries than myself so that I could, you know, in this space where I thought, Hey, we're build, I'm going to build it faster. So, you know, this is going to be exponentially return on investment later on. Of course, very rarely do you get that type of return from other human beings that oh, don't yeah. own the business. Right. Yeah. It's almost like we self punish ourselves. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, it, we call it, you know, uh, Mike McCallowitz, both of us are big fans of, the, of him. Huge. And, you know, the, the term that I borrowed from him is entrepreneurial poverty. Yep. And when I reinvented my business in 2018, at the end of 2018, I shut down a multimillion dollar creative agency and just started over. And I luckily tripped over that book and it <laughs> changed my entire outlook on it. And so one of the things that I want you to talk about, Paul, is because it's something that Mike touches in his book, the mindset on cash flow. Huge. Huge. It's like, and I got this from, I think it was Alex Ramosi. I, I follow a lot of his stuff now. He's kind of blown up in the marketing world and everything, but it's like everybody gets up in the morning. What's the first thing they check? They check social media. They check their email, right? And Alex is funny because it's like, I have the exact same habit he has. And I'm like, Hey, I'm onto something. The first thing I check in the morning is I check bank accounts. That's the first thing. That should be every entrepreneur. <laughs> the first thing you should check is your bank account. Okay. You look at it like, Oh, Hey, deposits came in, money went out. Okay. This one here. Oh, okay. We're good. You know, if you're checking Instagram, 27 times a day and you're checking your bank account once a week, we got a problem. It's like, you need to have your thumb on that pulse of like, oh, hey, money. Okay, we got money going here, here, here. And then in Mike's book, it's amazing. And that's where I got a lot of my ideas from is like automations is creating like, I told my wife that if I ever die, it's like, she's gonna have like call fidelity and turn off all these automations. Cause it's just, I have so many going on. It's insane because we're humans. We're designed to screw up. Like I get busy and I go do something and I'm like, oh man, I forgot. I, I moved money. I forgot. To, I never invested it. It's just been sitting in cash for two months. Cause I'm an idiot. And you know, it's right. really, it would have taken me two minutes to set an automation up that did it. So when I talk to people, I'm like, man, just start stacking automations, creating these habits. So to me, it's funny because I get up in the morning. I, first thing I do, I check Fidelity. And then I'm sorry, I check my business bank accounts first at Wells. And then I mm -hmm. check my Fidelity stuff. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is good. This is good. This is good. But I try to take myself because in my previous life, I was a stockbroker before I was an entrepreneur. And I want to trade all the time. I want to do all this stuff. So I, mm -hmm. I almost blocked myself out of it. So like instead of buying stocks, I'll buy mutual funds because then I can't trade options on mutual funds. <laughs> it's like I, I put these little limits to myself because I want to trade and I want to do this. So I'm like, man, okay. if I keep doing this, I can't grow my business because I'm wasting too much time staring at charts when you know I need to be out marketing and doing the sales and everything. So first thing in the morning, if, you, if I can convince you to do that is before you check anything, just get in the habit of checking your bank accounts, seeing that cash flow, making it part of your life. And it, then it becomes fun because a lot of people are they don't want to look at it. And that's a bad thing. Cause that means there's probably something wrong. <laughs> like, right. You know, so. And it's okay that, that it doesn't move every day. Like some yeah, people don't totally see fine. like for, for my business, we're, we're very cyclical and month to month. And so, you know, our invoices come due a couple times a month. And so I've actually automated everything through my, my bookkeeper. So Perfect. all I'm doing <laughs> is quality checking. Yeah, it's great. She's my, <laughs> she's my alarm. If like, yeah. hey, listen, one of these accounts doesn't have what it should have in it, but I can go straight. I like to go to my QuickBooks because it has all my accounts because I, I do the profit first. So I have like the umpteenth uh, yeah. <laughs> accounts, the accounts there and I, and I look at every one of them because it tells me whether we're spending and or making properly through each of the channels, right? So I can look at my income account and go, okay, yeah, money's coming in. That's great. This is one thing that I didn't understand. Cash flow. Cash flow just means 
money coming into and or out of your bank accounts. Yep. And when we talk about positive cash flow, that means you're keeping more than you're spending, right? So just for the yep. folks who, who might not understand that vernacular. So for me, then I'd take a look at each one of my accounts. So I have an ops account. I The first thing I do is go, I start doing the math. How many months of operational cash <laughs> flow do I have today? So that if for some reason, all the money that is owed to me right now doesn't come in, how many months can I still run my business? Oh yeah, because it's going to happen sometimes. People are going to pay invoices late. And they're like, hey, sorry, I got it. I need another month. And you're like, uh, I need to pay my employees. I need to pay this. So building these things out, it gives you sanity. You know, and, and God forbid 2020 never happens again, but it's like, I mean, that was insane. Like literally just- That was huge. I never thought my I life, was, I would I see was, stuff I turn was, off. I was worried. I was just two years, oh. I was in my- 13th month of my brand new business. And I had just moved from Alaska to Illinois. So I knew oh. no one here and we were locked down. So yeah. you know what my pucker factor looked like? Oh, dude, it was, it was tense. It was super tense. Cause I was like, I've never experienced something where there's the cash flow like overnight. It was like money just stopped coming in. I'm like, uh, this is not good. Like, this will be, so I choked my wife. I was like, this will be training for though. Cause you know, I always joke around. I, I look back to my jujitsu MMA background. It's like, no, no, we've been training for this. You know, we've been saving up for 19 years. So we're good. We're good. I'm, as inside, I'm freaking out and about to have a panic attack. But you know, cause it's funny cause I had two different types of clients. I had the clients that called me in 2020 and they're like, dude, I should have listened. I got nothing. I don't have a, I don't have a business line mm. of credit. I've got no savings. And I'm like, well, hopefully PPP comes around fast because you're screwed. You know, it's like you can't even go to a right. bank and apply for a line of credit. They're physically closed. And then they had the other clients that were like, oh, man, you know, we put stuff away. Put, and then we come a game plan. We're like, OK, the goal is to, you know, hit the emergency funds first if you have to or hit the line of credit. Don't sell the stocks and stuff like that because we are going to take a hit. And we took a huge hit in March. It was insane. Like everything crashed and then everybody's selling the market to get liquid. And then what happened? We had the biggest freaking rally ever because all the real money came in and just drove the markets up and everybody's having to sell stocks to cover bills. And it was like, it was, it was insane. It was crazy to watch it happen. Even thinking back, I, can only like, imagine I can't believe what it. that looked like. Now, of course, for <laughs> me, I just kept investing. <laughs> yep, got to. That is the one thing that is on autopilot before it even hits my bank account gets, you know, I, because I, I pay myself as an employee, right? And so that, that first chunk goes directly into investments. Perfect. And then when I'm doing my draws, I'm doing the same thing. I already have a percentage of that earmarked for different things. My financial advisor knows like four times a year, he's going to give me a big check. And every month we're going to have automatic deposits and they go into the mutual funds and that's it. Right. But I like what you were saying as far as like having these little nest eggs popped around so that you don't have immediate access to it. Mike McCallowitz uh, calls it his vault and it's not yeah. part of your normal bank. <laughs> and it, it nope. takes a few days to get to so that you, it has to be an emergency type of thing to get, yeah, you to want it. to make it hurt a little and, bit to get to it. Right. Maybe even cost you money to use it is okay yeah. because it really will give you that barrier because I think we're opportunists as entrepreneurs. Oh yeah. Oh, there's some money in that account. I could, I could buy this. <laughs> You're like, no, don't right. buy it. And don't I'm going to get it. this. In right. Right. And we start imagining the money coming in before we ever make it. Right. Yeah. But I think that, I mean, for me, when I was younger, it was about like, well, I'll just sell myself out of the debt that I'm in. Yeah, just grind harder. I'll do it. And we could do it when we were younger. You get older, you're like, man, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to grind this hard. And you got to be smarter then. Well, and I mean, if I told myself back then, like, hey, listen, that that all that grind you're doing, it doesn't really make a difference because you're grinding the wrong wheel, right? Oh, yeah. Like we were, we were, we're, we're building things that weren't sustainable. 
when we were younger. And I think that's one of the things that as the younger generation or the new generation of entrepreneurs are coming up, there's that balance between, well, I want to live the laptop life versus actually <laughs> having a work ethic. I mean, I think you have to have a balance between the two, but I think that's where the money comes in and says, okay, what, what lifestyle do you need today? And then what lifestyle do you want tomorrow? And how much money does that take to fund both of them? Because you have to do both. Right. Oh yeah. And especially for us, we're different than like, I have a lot of friends still in the corporate world and it's, it's funny to hear them talk. Cause I used to be like that. It's like, man, when I get to 67, I'm going to retire and do blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, I kind of want to do stuff now when I have good, semi good knees and my back still works and everything. I don't want to retire. I don't think I ever want to not be an entrepreneur. I think I would lose my mind and probably die. Like a lot of people do. It's like, so entrepreneurs, if you're listening to this one, you're like, I don't have enough money saved for retirement. It's like, just Think about the retirement you want to have. Start saving money now. You have a hybrid lifestyle where it's like if you got the investments, yeah, you might not be able to live like a crazy lifestyle. If you got enough investments where you can work part time as an entrepreneur and still have all your tax write offs, and you can have a great freaking mod or hybrid retirement, I call it. <laughs> you know, it's like it's just the the future's limitless for us. Right. I, I, that's, I feel like it's it's the use it or lose it, right? Like the people who end up retiring and then they, the, the people who are the healthiest are the ones who get busier in retirement because then they do all the philanthropic things that they never had time to do because of full-time jobs and stuff like that. And for us, we kind of build our philanthropy into our business because it's part of being a business owner. We are continually paying back to our community that feeds our kids and pays our rent and our, and our mortgages and stuff like that. Um, but yes, I think that, you know, the fact that we could be into a two hour work days in our older lives, right? On the greens by seven, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> back for lunch, check mail for a couple more hours, do a couple of uh, consults and be done for the evening, right? Like that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> to me, it sounds better than the alternative because I have see people that are old that don't do anything and it's like i can remember like my grandparents the highlight of their day was reading a book and then having dinner and i'm like what do you do the rest of the day I'm like i'm i'm bored <laughs> it's like and i think a lot of times people literally get bored to death and they die younger than they should because they become less active you know you see it a lot people are like oh i'm just Not gonna you know, just relax i see it with uh the next generation as well and it's and luckily my parents they stay active so before we let you go give me the one action items. If somebody is listening to this right now going, okay, I've heard a lot of cool things that you guys are talking about all pie in the sky for me right now, because I can barely pay rent. Right. And I, and I seem to be doing okay with sales. Right. And I'm, I'm making my clients happy, but for some reason I can't get ahead. What limiting factor do you feel is most common with that type of situation? And what's the first thing they can start doing to start digging themselves out of that? I love it. The biggest thing is that concept of like, well, when I get more money, I'm going to do this. It's like, no, you're not because you don't have the habits. So I tell people, people are like, oh, I don't have enough money to do this. I'm like, okay, here's what we're going to do is you say you bank at XYZ Bank, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, whatever. What I want to tell people to do is go to Fidelity, Schwab, Ameritrade, any of those places. And they're like, well, I got to have a bunch of money. Go there. I'm like, no, you don't. You don't have to have hardly, they don't care. They just want an account that you're going to be putting money into. They know you're going to keep putting money into it. Go in there. They're not going to give you the red carpet treatment if you're not dropping you know, big money, but they don't care. They just want new accounts. You can open online, literally open an account, a non-retirement brokerage account, super simple. It's basically just a savings account or whatever. Set that up and then set up some kind of an automation where you, know, you have money going from your account, either you know, monthly, weekly, quarterly, whatever it is, but just something people are like, well, I don't have any money. I'm like, can you do $10 a month? And then people will laugh and I'm like, 
well, it's $10 more than you're doing right now. And it's going to be automated. And they're like, okay, I'll do it. And I'm like, I'll check in like, oh, did you do the $10 you had? Did that hurt? And they're like, no. I'm like, cool. Make it 20. Does that hurt? Nope. Okay, cool. Make it 40. Make it 80. Make it 160. Make it, you know, 320. And then they're like, they'll get a point where like, okay, this is, I keep, this is kind of hurting. I'm like, all right, cool. Stop right there. You're good. Just put, keep it going. Keep it going. And then when you start doing that, this happens all the time. If you listen to people, you'll do this in six months, message me on Instagram, whatever. You'll be like, there's $1,800 in this account. I don't know how it got there. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you didn't need the money. You thought you did, you didn't. And now you have this money over here. And then they get excited. They're like, what do I do now? I'm like, well, you talk to one of the advisors at those places because they'll talk to you for free. And they might put you in like a target date mutual fund or something super whatever, basic, nothing crazy. Or you can use Uncle Warren's method of the S&P 500. I mean, he's the greatest investor of all time. And he says to put it all there. I mean, it's like, can't argue with the guy. But you'll get in the habit. You get excited and addicted. You'll be like, well, there's 1800 in that account. Yeah. And then next year there's going to be 10,000 and then there's going to be 20. And then in 20 years, there's going to be 380,000. And people are like, this changes my life, but it won't change if you don't build the habit. Cause everybody's like, well, when I get money, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I've had friends say that for 20 years. And I'm like, dude, have you got your account set up yet? Like, no, no, I'm not making enough. I'm like, you make $500,000 a year, 500. And they're like, well, yeah, but by the time I get done with everything, I don't have any money. I'm like, yeah, but I saw you on Instagram, dude, you eat, you spend 1200 a month on Friday night dinners, <laughs> you know? So it's like the money's there, but the, the habits aren't. So anybody listening, just create that money building habit and automation will change your life because like I've did it for a living and it's part of my life, but I'll still mess up and forget to do stuff. If I don't put it on autom automation because I got kids, I got a wife, I got businesses. I'm like, ah, I forgot to invest. <laughs> so it's automation. Like you were saying, you do the same thing with yours is the money just goes. And you're like, cool. It's invested. Nothing to worry about there. And just let it run. You heard Paul, it's time to automate your future by automating your savings and investments. This will give you the focus you need to drive your business forward today without risking your financial freedom tomorrow. Believe me when I say it is a game changer. Paul is a great giver, so be sure to follow him on Instagram and check out his website, paulholme.com. I've included the links in the show notes, and while you're there, click on the subscribe button. Until next time, stay buzzworthy.